Good morning and welcome to our Thursday morning chapel. Don't be, don't stand yet. Professor DeGarmo is a bit under the weather on the rebound, but still under the weather, so he asked that I fill in for him today. Uh, today we are using an order of service known as the Office of Matins. And uh, Matins was developed very, very early in the Christian church as kind of a vigil order of service. Um, we, you hear people talk about a watch in the night, like the fourth watch of the night and so on. And uh, soldiers often had that. And this was uh, designed to be something that Christians would wake up in the middle of the night and have a prayer service and hear readings from God's word and so on. And uh, it later uh, changed into something that would be uh, celebrated at a morning worship service named Matutinas, which means in the morning. So that's where Matins comes from. And it, it really survived and came down to us uh, through, the, through many of the monasteries as well. So we'd like to use that today for our worship. And uh, we will join then in our opening hymn. And once we're ready for that, then you may stand. seated for the lesson. Our scripture reading for today is taken from St. Paul's letter, first letter to Timothy, the pastor, chapter 6, beginning with verse 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. 
Many years ago, I was reading a magazine article about a man down in Peru, a mission field down there. A missionary had written a story about this man that he had gotten to know and had brought to faith in Christ and had taught him the gospel and had his children baptized and so on. And this man lived in a what we might consider a, a shack of a house, a dirt floor. The walls, most of the walls were woven together like a basket. Uh, very, very poor uh, surroundings, very extremely low income that he lived in. And yet throughout the article interviewing this man, he expressed tremendous gratitude for having learned the gospel. And he expressed such happiness and joy and that his children are now baptized and that he'd learned to know Jesus Christ as his savior and things like that. And it went on and on. And every quotation from him was just so positive and so cheerful. And I thought to myself, think how little this guy has of earthly possessions. And yet I wish I could have the contentment he has. I wish I could have this kind of deep-seated uh, happiness that he seems to have in life. The text in front of us talks about godliness and contentment. The word godliness, godliness means to take your faith seriously and uh, to be concerned about it and to have, in that sense, true piety before God. And then contentment is really a word that means to be self-satisfied uh, in, in this sense, that you don't feel like you're really lacking anything, like you have to have more and uh, that your, your present station in life is, is good and comfortable. And you know, if you think about it, there's a difference between being happy and content. Being happy is a, a, a kind of a quick release of joy that we can have over something, and maybe it takes us real high for some, some event that happens in our life. But contentment is different. Contentment is kind of like a foundation and concrete underneath everything, a comfort that is there. And Paul is basically saying to Timothy and all of us, why look for contentment in life in the things of this world that, that aren't going to really last? If, if you do that, you're not going to have any type of lasting contentment. The, the love of the things of this world, and in particular money that he's talking about here, can be one of the most corrosive things to our faith. It has a tendency to, the more we think about it, the more it takes us away from our relationship to God. And that's why Jesus said it so simply, didn't he? You cannot serve both God and mammon. It just can't be done. You can't have your heart going in both directions. It's, it's very rare to find someone who is a believer in Christ who is really blessed with a lot of riches. There are some. I know some even related to a few. But it's very rare, actually. And there's a reason for that. Because the riches of this world can very easily draw our hearts away from our Savior. And those who manage to have great blessings, just like Abraham did at one point, and David and others, they tend to stand out to us. Many years ago, a friend of mine as a pastor was asked by our church body to go and try to start a new mission in a town called Gig Harbor, Washington. Gig Harbor is one of the most exclusive neighborhoods in Washington. It's a small town that um, just has a lot of wealth. And um, he worked and worked there canvassing and trying to put something together for over two years and finally nothing, no, nobody. 
And I was talking to him one day and I said, why do you think that was so hard to get something going in Gig Harbor? This is what he said. It's hard to convince people they should care about heaven when they already think they're living there. That was an interesting way to put it. Paul wants us to be aware of the devil's tactics on us. And, and he, doesn't, he doesn't do this to us as Christians by having us dramatically change our priorities, but just slightly. Maybe when we're young especially, to slightly change what's important to you. And, and to, to let us think that, yeah, you can always come back to Christ. You can always come back to your faith. Of course that's important. You can always chase heaven. Maybe someday when you're, when you're old and your hair is white like mine, then, then you can get serious about your faith. But right now, wouldn't it be great to have some other things just a little bit higher on the list for you to start chasing those? But Paul gives us the harsh reality that the grave just strips it all away. We brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. And he wants us to know that what we have in Christ, our Savior, is far better than anything we could ever imagine in this life. We are heading for a beautiful new home that is above everything else. You know, back in the 1800s, late 1800s, there were a lot of people from Europe that traveled over to America, emigrated here in order to find a new life and new land and things like that. And um, as they were coming to this new country, many of them took ships over here. Some of them were wealthy and they bought some of the more exclusive rooms on the ship. Others were very poor. There were even some that were stowaways that hid in the luggage departments, compartments and things just to make it over here. Some of them had really good food on the way. Others had just scraps to eat. If you think about it, it's kind of a picture of us on our way to heaven. Okay? We're in this boat as believers in Christ, bound for the beautiful shores of heaven that God is waiting for us, a new land. And, and yet in this life, while we're in this life, we're in different stations, you might say. Some of us may just live in a dirt hut. Some may live in mansions. Some may have a lot of wealth, others very little. But it's important that we're in, on the ship of the church heading for heaven. And to remember that whatever the ship might offer us is really not the end of the journey. The real purpose is where we're going. The real purpose is the beautiful new land that our Lord has won for us. So set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Amen. Please rise, and we join now in singing one of the oldest hymns in the church, the Te Deum. The Te Deum uh, Laudamus is, uh, dates back to the uh, 5th century and possibly earlier. Martin Luther called it the fourth great creed of the church. This was sung around the funeral pyre, the, the fire that put Jan Hus to death in the city of Prague for preaching the gospel. And the Christians from his congregation just surrounded him as he was dying and sang this Te Deum to him to lift him into heaven. Let us join in singing.
Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that of your boundless grace, for the sake of your Son, you have given us the Holy Gospel and have instituted the Holy Sacraments, that through them we may have comfort and forgiveness of sin. We beseech you, grant us your Holy Spirit, that we may believe your word, and through the Holy Sacraments, day by day, establish our faith, until we at last obtain salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. and the community.